This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 736, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, thinking about other people, getting by. That's what we're doing, just like you. She said, come in, stranger. It's good to have you home. I hurried through cause I knew it was you when I saw your dog wagging his tail. Honey, why didn't you let me know by mail? You've been gone so long. She said, come in, stranger. I know you're weary from all the miles. Just sit right there in your easy chair. 
Hey, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 736. Previously, I had 735 script up, and but I fixed that now, and you didn't have to hear it. Oh, crap, you just did. I'm Josh Flanagan. This is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Good morning. Who caught that I was on the wrong episode previously. <laughs> and with us today is uh, Dr. Ryan Hout. Yeah, when it's all business talk, you bring an old Jimmy comicbook.com business. <laughs> when it's sex scandals in the comic industry, I'm right here. I'm here to help. Hi, what do you need? Well, we we bumped him. <laughs> like like Carson, we bumped him. We we had him on. No, we literally there was no reason to bring Ryan back in other than the fact that we missed having Ryan on. So that's why you're here. Yeah, I miss talking to you guys. I'm excited to be here. All right. All right. We are iFanboy. Every week, uh, we read our stack of comics. One of us picks the one they like best. They call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We talk about other books in the week. We talk about the patron pick. We'll get some mail if we can. It is a rollicking, stomping good time. Probably not stomping. Let's be, you know, there was a bird earlier. It might come back. <laughs> it went away. I'm really sad. It's, it it yeah. was really soothing, but oh well. We all felt I was focusing on breath. Here's your spoiler warning. There will be spoilers. There were some books. Connor, you had the pick. I had like a regular week of reading. Yeah, well, you know, Marvel only their trades came out and then a couple of digital only books. Yeah. DC put a whole lot of books out. It's funny because people were surprised how quickly the pick went up. But now that we have DC on Tuesday, if Marvel doesn't put anything out, and Image only put a couple things out, there's no reason why the pick's not going to come out earlier. This whole Tuesday, Wednesday thing is still throwing me off. Yeah. Anyway... The pick of the week is Strange Adventures number two from Tom King, Mitch Gerrards, Evan Doc Shaner, and Clayton Cowles. this wasn't the pick until I read it, which it sounds strange, but I had a book all lined up. It's just that I read this book last. And so I had a book all ready to go, and I was like, oh, man, that was terrific. This is so great. And then I read Strange Adventures, and I was like, oh, fuck, it's this. Uh, this is part two of the Adam Strange story from Black Label. Three of the last four mm-hmm. picks have been Black Label books. And some people said, yeah, of course you picked this book. But the thing is, like... We didn't pick the first one, and we weren't sure about it, if you go back and listen to the conversation. Because the first one was very, very sort of introductory. He wasn't sure what the story was going to be. And I actually went back and had to, I had to read one and two, because it's been so long since the last time this came out. I had forgotten about Mr. Terrific, because it's just it's been so long. Right. So reading one and two back to back, it was, it's, it's a, God, it's a cliche, but it's a really well-structured, this particular issue of Strange Adventures, in which... Mr. Terrific has been tasked by Batman to investigate Adam Strange's story about being the hero of Ron and the war he fought there. As of the first issue, we are interspersing the events of Adam Strange's best-selling book about his adventures on Ron, drawn by Doc Shaner, and then the real life, drawn by Mitch Garretts, in which Mr. Terrific is deciding whether or not he's going to investigate Adam Strange. And there's a device... Tom King must have just watched Star Trek Four because this is the device of Star Trek Four, in which the computer is constantly quizzing Mr. Terrific and says, correct, every time he's correct. <laughs> I just loved the back and forth between the wild adventures of Adam Strange on the planet and then Mr. Terrific going through his life while being quizzed, while deciding to investigate Adam Strange, and then at the end they come together. This was terrific. The art was unbelievable. By the end of it, this was head and shoulders above every other comic this week, which was... A good week of comics. I thought it was incredibly well-structured, and, you know, it's no surprise. Mitch Garrett and Doc Shaner are two of the best artists working in comics, two completely different styles, and the way they work together here is wonderful. I mean, yes, everything you said. I mean, it really, and it's funny because I think that this is one of those books where there's a book where one person is doing the heavy lifting. Like, Mm -hmm. this book is great because the writer 
has put together an amazing you know script and story and and he's he's got some artists i really feel like this is one of those some of its parts things where like tom king did a good job on the thing or maybe great i don't really we don't know yet like he's doing a great job but then you know you've got mitch coming in with this one style that by the way if i looked at this i i know mitch i know his work i've known him for a long time i don't think i would tell you right away that's mitch garrett's he's really pushing himself to sort of do something a little unique for it and then you know i got to the first doc shaner page and i was like oh yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah well for one thing like we've spent a long time talking about how you know he should be bigger than he is should be a huge star yeah and and this felt like validation of that i was like i wasn't wrong Mm -hmm. like i'm not wrong look at this you know it's insane so then you know you've got at the same time it, t- it did take me a little bit and i this had more to do with time than anything else to sort of like where am i what are we doing you know the idea that he's talking to batman took me a second that's why i had to go back and reread because it's, it's just yeah. it, it had been you know it's been a long time yeah a book like this you need the details and so i made a point to, to read them both together just because it yeah it wouldn't have had the impact without having gone back and read it that's a good call well i read it and it had an impact yours might have had more of an impact and i'm sure it did but you know once i sort of got back into place i and also i had read this right after i read another book which i really didn't like <laughs> and it was just like it was like a warming soothing tonic i was like oh yes that's the way to go i'll also say that you know, we've we've been fans of Mr. Terrific since the JSA books, you know, yeah. been, I don't know, how many years, many years. This is a fucking cool as shit, Mr. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally true. I mean, this is like the best version of Mr. Terrific. You know, we see all of his skill sets. We see him doing intellectual stuff. We see him boxing and shooting and, and laying sexually in bed while he reads books. And, you know, when he was revealed to be the big supporting character or, or co-lead, as they've been saying, mm-hmm. At first, I was like, oh, it's terrific, interesting. But now I'm like, yes, this is what I want from these kind of books is to take these characters who aren't starring in other works and really make them the big deal. Well, he's always been one of those characters who I've really liked a lot, but I don't feel like I've read a lot of stories that served that. Like, mm-hmm. well, there's, a lot, there's a lot of possibility there, and it feels like, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think Tom King's tastes and, and likes in comics are very different from sort of the stuff that we do. The very fact that, you know, like, He's doing an Adam Strange book, and we're like, yes, perfect. But then he went and found this other character who also has been underserved in modern comics. We'll put it that way, you know, where where like there just seems like there's a lot more there, and if only somebody would sort of take the time with him and, and do the right thing. Same with Adam Strange, you know. It's 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 and and it's it's hard because right now, Mister Terrific is the is kind of the protagonist, and and uh, yes. you know, Adam Strange is the wild card. Like, well, is there is there something afoot? Now, I'm assuming. That's not going to be the case, but we don't know right now. So that's also interesting. Ryan, you can talk sometime too. I'm sorry. No, I've been enjoying the discussion. It's, you know, sometimes I forget <laughs> that I'm not just listening to the episode on Sunday. Fair um, <laughs> I mean, th- this is just fantastic. Yeah, I-, I completely agree with this being the pick, except for one other book that we're going to talk about later. Oh, no. When the Silver Age is done by Doc Shanner, it just, it sings. It's so good. Yes. I can't get past it. And the the page where Mr. Terrific, like apparently he just puts on his mask with like a paste and that, that page was super cool. And then like the T-Sphere is just floating around questioning him all the time, asking him different stuff. Correct. Until he finally asked to be stumped was just a, <laughs> that was a heartbreaker. Well, you know what? If I may. Yeah. 
he was just asking him trivia questions. There was no cognitive stuff. So I was a little like, all right, make him do a little math. Make him work. I think it was one math question. But it was mostly just like, who said this? It was like the history of math. It wasn't even a yeah. math question. Maybe he doesn't yeah. like math. That's fine. Well, he, he's I'm saying, well then, he's, then he should work on it. <laughs> Flex that muscle. What's fun about this also is that, again, the idea of this series seems to be that what is truth and what happens in war, as this is, you know, all of Tom King's works eventually become about. The, but the thing is that Adam Strange parts super fun and awesome. We're experiencing oh. his book, and in this story, they were driven out of the main city of Ron in the first issue, so now they're sort of refugees in the desert, and he has to go broker peace with the wild clan in the desert who was traditionally the enemies of the people in the city to help fight off the Picts who were the enemy in the first issue and it all goes awry and it was, that part was an exciting fun Silver Agey Adam Strange story I really like the device of his beard getting longer I was like oh he's been out there a while <laughs> right you know and I, I didn't realize it at first I had to sort of flip back and I say oh yeah his beard's growing there after he kills the bug and drinks the bug's blood <laughs> <laughs> And, and what's great about this is they don't shy away from the silver ageness of it. He's wearing the classic costume. He has a little pew, pew, pew laser gun. It's not any attempt to modernize and make it cool. It's, no, what was cool about it, what were those elements of it? Well, he's wearing the classic costume, but then he gets the classic costume, but for desert gear. And right. I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. It's like that's... Desert Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Strange of Arabia. The thing is, like, if that was the book on its own, I think we'd all probably really like it. But then they're like, but wait. <laughs> you get that book plus this special offer. Yes. You know, it's it's like the best late night infomercial comic book. It's quite a special thing because the the thing is you could do that story and it would be fun and satisfying and it would look great. And I would take issue with the fact that like yes when Doc Shanner does Silver Age he's great, but Doc Ish, like he could do whatever. Oh no, I, he he should not yeah. get pigeonholed the way Darwin could right. get pigeonholed. I, that I hope that does not happen. It's just that he's drawing a Silver Age story. It doesn't look like yes, a Silver no, Age absolutely. comic. It looks like a modern comic in every sense of the right. word. He's just drawing that storyline. Exactly. I don't know why he's not on Superman or some other book at the moment. No, absolutely. Well, I want to point that like I don't even want to call him a Silver Age artist, even though that when he does, you're right, it sings. But I feel like I worry. That's it. I just worry that the industry will go. This is what you do. You know, he's he's a guy who's been on the edges for a while. That's not like, an unfounded worry because he has been doing all the Silver Age covers for the DC omnibuses that have been coming out. There's a lot of evidence he's already been pigeonholed into that role. Well, I'm, I'm happy he's getting work at least. Yeah. <laughs> that was the pick of the week. It was a clear pick of the week. It wasn't even close. However, deceased, and I know people are sick of it, but deceased Hope at World's End number three was the pick of the week until I read Strange Adventures. This is the, the uh, third issue of the digital first slash perhaps only miniseries that Tom Taylor's doing. This issue is drawn by Carmen D. Gia Domenico, who used to do the Flash issues, and it was the best Flash artist in that run. And so appropriately, this story is about Wally West during the outbreak and unexpectedly becomes a reunion of the Flash family from Wally's run, which what's great about this book is that it's an Elseworld story, which means Tom Taylor can use whatever characters and continuity he wants. And so here he's basically, as we talked about before, the old universe, even though Wally's wearing the new costume. So we get Max Mercury, we get Impulse, and we get Jesse Quick, who were all mainstays of his book way back when Jeff Johns was writing it, as they attempt to rescue everyone from Keystone City who has not been affected and put them into an alternate dimension Earth. It's very flashy. There's a double treadmill. And then, of course, there's a sad sacrifice at the end. I thought this was terrific. Yeah, there's a panel, I guess it would be on page 10, you know, where they're all standing there 
you know, you've got Max Mercury yep. and Kid Flash. And if you close, Ables. no, I was I was looking at Wally. Oh, because yeah. and, and I and I just you know, if you close your eyes mm-hmm. and you just imagine he's not wearing that costume, right? Then it's extra fantastic. You're not a fan of the Blue Lightning? I don't. You know, it was the best costume of all time. Period. Because he was Wally was the Flash during that era, and he was just yeah. the Flash, yeah. and so he had the regular. So, but having all four of those characters there is great. But also the fact that like. They're all standing in the kitchen. And that actually means a lot. No, I'm yeah, serious. It's where the, the family hangs. Exactly. And it, that has to be about the family. It's not all who's out in the world. It's them trying to work out a problem in their kitchen. And not all superhero comic books should be that. But that element I thought was really nice that they were sort of just at home and then they, they had this problem to solve. And of course, you know that some shit is going to happen because this is a zombie book and it's, it's crushing. Yeah. You know, it's really sad. And then, but, but, but. The thing that was different about this book than all the other ones is that, you know, much like The Walking Dead, you know, the, it's a tragedy. So at the end of all of them, some sad shit happens and it's, it's like, Ugh, right, there's no winning this, this fight. <laughs> but in this one, we got the closest thing that we're going to get to a happy ending. And I thought that was really delightful. It was a double happy ending because they did yeah. end up saving most of the people they were trying to save. It wasn't like there was a tragedy where they were saving people and the, the zombies overtook them. They, they right. got everyone out. It's just that one of the heroes was hurt in the process but then he gets to not succumb to the disease and gets to live on the speed force it was a that last panel yeah. page is just uh, lovely i know that i'm going to ask this question and everyone's going to shout injustice at me but where the hell did tom taylor come from <laughs> australia <laughs> they got hemsworths and taylors out there they should be stopped. <laughs> Lousy with Hemsworth. <laughs> so they have really pretty blonde women who look just like other really pretty blonde women. So we've been banging this drum the entire time for deceased, and I know people are sick of it, but it's really good. And they keep putting more books out, and we keep sort of grumbling because we think they're going to dilute the story. But this series has been really good. I mean, Tom Taylor clearly has a talent for like carving his own little corner out of the DC universe, because he did that with Injustice 2, and I know people really loved that run, even though I didn't really get into it. He seems to be able to really create worlds from whole cloth and can kind of do it all on his own, and it's it's amazing. It's it's just fascinating to watch as a storytelling experiment. I also think that he, you know, the, the, the bias here is that he clearly came up at this, in the same era yeah. of comics I'm that, sure he's that, run the same that at least Connor and I yeah. did, you know, and so he keeps taking it back to like, no, this is this was the really good stuff. And of course... Connor and I are like, yes, that is the good stuff because this was, you know, like in the sort of nascent years of this this entity that we, you know, this iFanboy thing, you know, this is what the stuff was. And these were like, honestly, these are the books that made us fall in love. In fact, if, if we want to go to it even further, you know, the Flash family stuff from this era, that's one of the first comics that myself, Connor and Ron literally bonded over. Yes. Like, you know, that is a very important time. But it's and, and so it's validating to have this guy, you know, clearly also think that, you know, and, and this is prior to uh, Jeff John's Flash run, which is where I think a lot of other people sort of came into it. This Flash family stuff, I think that was John's. I think Wade transitioned to John's during that period. Yeah, that's what happened. But I, I'm trying to remember when it was Max Mercury, yep. Impulse, and Jesse Quick. and That was more the Wade stuff. I don't think that carried yeah. over into oh, you're the, right, you're right, that the was Jeff Wade. John's yeah, run yeah. as much. Yeah, you're right. Okay. No, John's thing was all about rogues. That's true. But there were little touches in here, like when Wally is talking to Batman and he says, tell Dick to stay out of trouble. And hearkening back yeah. to that relationship, which like the, the Wally West-Dick Grayson relationship was really important yep. back yeah, when I Wally remember, West yeah, was you're a right, major I player. That. 
Yeah, they're best so, friends, like, and so then you cut yeah. to the Batcave where what where Dick is dead, and like it was. Oh God, it's really good. It's really good. How do you guys feel about this digital format with the don't white like screen? It. Josh hates it. I don't. I'm, I'm, I don't care. I don't hate it. It reads fine. It feels like everything's blown up too much, so it bothers me, and it feels like I'm getting half the story, which I am. It's you know, true. It's, it's, it's 23, or actually, it's, 20, it's 22 pages finally, but they cut the pages in half, so it's 11 pages. Well, it's probably 20 with the cover. Right, exactly. So You're getting half an issue with each one of these digital releases. Yeah, you know, it's not like panel by panel bad at all. Like, they get a chance to do storytelling in panels, and that, to me, is comics. So that's good. It just, you know... I, it's going to be really hard for me to ever look at a non-portrait comic book page and think that it is good enough. Although there have been great, you know, horizontal comics in the past. Absolutely, but my just, you know, it's it's like it's like people getting over the fact that like rock and roll should be bass, drums and guitar. You know, like it it feels like those elements need to be there. I do want to mention Carmen Di Domenico who yep. was the, probably the best artist on the the current run of Flash. He does a really great job of showing the crackling of lightning around the Flash characters. Which is impressive, because you don't like the crackling of lightning. Well, no, the, I mean the actual lightning, right. not the suit lines. And that was what he made yeah, the, right. the Flash stuff palatable. He turned the lines into crackling lightning. It's sort of a way to have your kicking eat it, too, and that really worked. He does speed and motion really, really well. Yeah. I mean, and I think, actually, you know, it's basically this, this all, it all feels zoomed in to me. Because I'm sure mm. that he drew this. Regular. You know. And regular pages and everything, so everything gets pushed in, so it makes it feel like all the ink lines and the panel borders are all heavier than they need to be. So it feel it feels a little like I'm reading a kid's book. Is kind of the the feeling that I get. Like it doesn't have the delicacy because of the fact that it is the same thing, but they're zooming in on it, you know, twice as much. I think that's got a lot to do with it. I want to comment real quickly on these DC social distancing ads with Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. If we just just shove Damien to the left a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Just take two more steps, <laughs> and then you're fine. Also, like, Batman's is one of the... I mean, he's a character whose mask is the exact opposite of what we're all supposed to be wearing. <laughs> right. That's true. It's, not, <laughs> it's, not. <laughs> it's like it's, it's exposing the one part. I feel like only bad guys have the lower mask. That's true. Yeah. I can't think of a good guy who does. I think you're I think you're tapping into something with our current culture war, Josh. Yeah. Oh, they, well, oh Wow. Valkyrie Jane Foster, number 10, which is one of the few books that Marvel put out, and this is a series that was in paper, and now it's only coming out digitally. All the best Marvel books have gone only digital because no one's buying them. <laughs> Jason Aaron and yeah. Torin Gronbeck are our writers, and Roman Rosanas. I got I got Torin Gronbeck has got to be in the new top five best names in comics. Any Icelandic least, name. Also, it's a Ramon. Yeah. I don't know why I said Ramon, because it's 6 o'clock in the morning. A cool thing about Torin that I, I heard, and I, I believe this is true as far as I know, first time a Scandinavian person has actually co-written or, or worked on a Thor book. I'm sure that's true. For a Marvel. native Scandinavian person. Probably. Sure. <laughs> we find out there's a long backlash <laughs> of American Scandinavian people who were locked out of comics. <laughs> yeah, I guess Walter Simonson, Simonson, probably yeah. does have some, yeah. But yes, and a, a currently still in the old country Scandinavian person. Right. Yeah, they got that thing through the O, so yeah, totally. What's interesting about reading a book like this, because, you know, this also happened to Hawkeye. Hawkeye, at least, I think, is a, is a limited series now, and... But this was ostensibly an ongoing, so reading this, I'm not even sure how I'm supposed to be feeling. Is it ending right now? Is it How many more issues do this we have? felt like a last issue to me. Yeah, it did. I, mean, I don't know that it is, but it felt like it. And, and usually going to digital only, 
is not a good sign. And also, if you've got Jason Aaron's name on it, that means that there's going to be somewhat of an overhead, unless he said, don't pay me as much for this. None of those are good signs for sort of keeping a book around for a while. But focusing on, on, on the, the issue itself, it was a wonderful issue. It was, it was really fun. And I, I became sad that, that like, oh, man, this is going to wrap up at some point. But one of the cool things that sort of came out of the 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 I was I was gonna say Lady Thor, but you know anyway Jane Foster being around is that that she has this relationship with the gods now, and so like her hanging around with Volstag and you know him treating her sort of like an equal, and and I love hanging out with Volstag. That's a good time always. <laughs> um, we've got this other sort of focus on they got rid of Heimdall. Ugh, it's so t- and now Sif is. I know, and I don't mind that, but like the the reason that they love Heimdall's because Heimdall died in the, the movies maybe I don't know no, but that's no. dumb but I all, I have really enjoyed it happened with Daredevil 2 there's like an exploration of what you know the Rainbow Bridge person is you know and how they see everything all the, all at once and like it just feels proper Kirby mm-hmm. proper big and, and godlike and, and then you know at the end I thought the sort of depiction of what this little sort of black you know nothingness universe you know it's falling around like a sad dog Right. <laughs> it's just it was a great it was sort of a great idea and a great visual and it really the whole thing really had this feeling of sort of authentic you know mythological mysticism and and i, I think that was really fun and that's the thing that sometimes is missing from this book and it should be the center point of the book and also like having a villain that's essentially just the end of the universe darkness blackness like it's it's vague enough to be actually kind of ominous they can't mm-hmm. punch their way out of this one yeah, I yeah. found it kind of affecting that, like, oh, that actually is kind of creepy in a way that not a lot of comic book villainry comes off as creepy. The effect yeah. of the comic of the skull in the, in the void, it worked actually really well. It, Josh and I were just talking about Kirby and his collage work, and that, that felt in that vein, and that it felt other. It didn't feel like it was part of the page in that sense. It was, it was strange, and it worked for me. Yeah. It didn't feel like, you know, that's a drawing. It feels like that's a real thing, which in contrast to the characters was, worked. I mean, especially juxtaposed against something as colorful as the Rainbow Bridge, too. Right. Thor and a bunch of the characters have been possessed, and so they fight their friends. And at the end, when, when they freed them, Thor says, would you have killed me? And she's like, yeah, I would have. That was a good scene. Look, well, she's a real Valkyrie. Yeah. Like, she's she's the real deal. That whole thing's been fun. And also, like, there's a, there's a cool... She's actually become a really cool character, because, like, you know, they used to date. Right. And they're friends now. There's a, no, but like, there's nothing to it. There's not. They're not going for tension. There's no tension at all. Yeah. Right. There's affection, which is nice. There's affection. There's respect. There's you know real friendship. Their relationship has nothing to do with their relationship, other than like they have history that made them close and made them who they are now. And it's a chore. It's 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 interesting, and, and I think it works really well. And we don't get a lot of that. I think mature is a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's she's 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 an equal. She there's even a bit in here where, you know, she's missing her weapon. And so that that puts her on a parallel with with Thor. Like she, you know, you know. But I like that even as just Jane Foster human, she's willing like she's, you know, with Volstagg, she's yes. like, "All right, let's go to the armory. I'm going to get a sword." Like Yep. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's no. awesome. <laughs> yep, you're absolutely right. There's no chance that she's going to sit out of the fight just because she doesn't have the the ultra powerful all weapon. Right. No, she's that, still a but Volstag respects her for it. Like he's like, here, take all the weapons. Like he's <laughs> like, this will make her feel better. You know, she shouldn't go out there. She's she's in remission, <laughs> and she's immortal. But uh, you know, it was it was just there's a lot of sweetness. There was you know that sort of heroic stuff. It was good. This was probably a surprise to to you two guys and anyone listening. But we wanted to talk about Mad Magazine number fourteen. 
I saw that. Which is by no means the real number of this magazine. <laughs> I want to talk, mention it because Al Jaffe, who retired this past week, was 94. So this issue is an all Al Jaffe tribute issue. And I want to mention it briefly because when I was a kid, and I'm very curious to hear how it differs with, with Ryan, but when I was a kid, Mad Magazine was as important as comics. Marvel and DC Comics. Everyone who I was friends with also read Mad Magazine in addition to reading comics. More people read Mad Magazine than I knew re- reading comics. I knew a lot of people who read comics in the 80s. Everyone read Mad, everyone read Cracked. And it was just part of the culture. So it was interesting to go back and read. I, I don't, it's probably been <laughs> 25 years since I've read an issue of Mad Magazine. I read it when they relaunched. I read number one uh, for the show, but I didn't put it on. So it was interesting to go back and read. This is the greatest hits issue of Al Jaffe's work, both as a writer and an artist and a writer-artist. It was fun to go back and see stuff I remembered, be back in that headspace. It's very much of a time. The sense of humor has not changed all that much. It's very much of that sort of vaudevillian, early 80s. It's not like modern humor. It's very much... It's broad. It's very broad humor. They're dad jokes, but they're from when the dads were kids. Right. In a way. I mean, I was, I was going to say, when I read that first issue, I, I guess it would have been 14 months ago, more or less, when they relaunched it, I thought, oh, this is exactly the same as it was. It's exactly maybe the same. Maybe it's because it's the same people who are doing it for the most part. Or at least, you know, like, or at least everybody who was doing it had grown up with it. And they were like, this is what we do. That's our thing. Their voice, their brand was very consistent in that way. Mad's a division of DC Comics. People may or may not know. We toured their offices when we did their DC video show. Did interviewed one of the the editors. That was the best part of that day. That was terrific. But, you know, Al Jaffe was an incredibly talented writer and artist. Just to scroll through this issue and see all the different work. And it gives you the year it came out. And it goes, you know, you're talking from now until, you know, the 60s. Yeah. It's quite a career. He's one of those guys like um, John Severin, mm-hmm. or who I knew from Cracked. That's where I first learned right. him. Or Richard Corbin. Like these guys who have this beautiful art style and unique to them, you know, signature sort of art style, who seems to have not lessened in their capability over time. Sergio Aragonas, who's, who's all over this issue too, who was a mainstay at Mad, in addition to making books like Grew, you know, in the same time period, who, which was a classic book. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe I'm too young. I pretty much missed Mad entirely. I think that's about right. I'm not surprised at all. It was it was very important in the 80s, and then uh, I think the 90s it was different. So yeah, I don't have any pre-existing relationship with this other than the few comics I've seen here and there, and like Spy vs. Spy was popular for a while. Yeah, I, I can definitely appreciate the art style uh, and the technical craftsmanship that goes into it, and all the different styles that this guy was able to do. But in terms of, you know, actual comic book storytelling, I was, I was a bit <laughs> at a loss of what I was supposed to be getting out of this. No, no, and this was totally a uh, tribute to this guy who retired well into his 90s and also a tribute to a book that was very important for a long time for, for, for a lot of people. I mean, I had a giant box of comics and I had a giant box of Mad Magazines as a kid. What I took out of that was interesting is that you talk about the stuff like you had lots of people reading comics mm-hmm. and lots of people reading, and I was the only one doing either of those that I knew of. Like that was, it was such a solitary thing that just I had. Interesting. Yeah. But I mean, you, you grew up in a city and I didn't. Yeah. Every guy friend I had in elementary school read comics and Mad Magazine. Well, I mean, if we're going to get to this, you know, like you and, and, you know, like our group of friends from like when I got to college yeah. were the first people I was friends with who liked things like i liked right i mean like like i had none of that so college is for finding those people you find your people and you're still my people so that's very interesting i just did the maze on the cover it worked (laughs) 
<laughs> While you're talking, I was doing it with my finger and it worked. Yeah, because sometimes you find your people, but they don't really give a shit. No, no, I was listening, but I was just also <laughs> doing the maze. <laughs> I understand. Thank you. <laughs> 94 years old is a, quite a career. And yeah. uh, who knows? Obviously, Mad's not relevant to the broader culture anymore. That's, and it's fine. It it's, is. In terms of influence, though. Yeah, no, I know. I just mean in terms of actual product. Yeah. Like, you can draw a line from Mad Magazine to National Lampoon to Saturday Night Live to literally everything. Yes. They put a Mort Drucker story in that Al Jaffe wrote, one of those mo- movie parodies. Yeah. And that's, that art is what I think about when I think about Mad. Just I know exactly what Incredibly you good at cartooning and at drawing real people in a cartoony way. And I always looked forward to the movie... Or the TV parody in the issue of Mad yeah. the art is incredible. It also tells you a little something about the anachronism of it that it's a man named Mort. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when Bart Simpson went to the Mad Magazine offices and it was just an office, and I, I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. It was it just was. an office. Full of very funny people, <laughs> but it was. Yeah. But like funny people, like people used to be funny. Right. Like, like you were great on Carson. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> that was Mad Magazine 14. Good job, Al Jaffe. It's quite a career. The usual gang of idiots. I love that they stuck with their recurring gags. And I think that we can, <laughs> we can pr- appreciate, appreciate that. that. <laughs> if you appreciate that, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy to help support the show. Um, I, I, I mean, I've seen this all across, like, sort of everything during this pandemic. You know, the people who, who make small footprinted content. Uh, I just coined that phrase. Uh, you know, are really getting supported by the people who are listening to them. And vice versa, you know, you know, like I think that the the podcast, the people who you connect with, the people who you you know admire or you know just really relate to, it's a really it's a really great time for that right now. I think it's it's personalized in a way uh, that can make can feel very comforting. So one of the ways to do that is uh, via Patreon, our show or whatever shows you, you do it for. But if you're doing it with us, uh, a we thank you, and b there is a new stretch goal up. Uh, if you liked Geo Joe Corner, we will add that uh, as a weekly show maybe monthly we haven't decided um but we're gonna go through all the gi joe episodes if, if we get above that threshold besides that though i mean it, it really it, it helps it's a it's a it's a really big deal and we're we're so thankful you could also get some merch you can get some merch but also it's not just merch it's merch that does some good over at ifanboy.threadless.com uh we have eight designs over there you can get t-shirts you can get sweatshirts you can get tri-blend shirts i have some on the way they have not arrived yet they should be here soon i believe uh all all customer support stuff and all that stuff is taking a long time sure we all know that anyway if you uh, are getting the stay home and read comics design a portion of all the sales from uh any of the products with that will go to the comic book united fund we'll be making that donation on july 1st so get those orders in if you wanted to they make they make a darn fine mask kid masks are now available so if you oh yeah if you uh what masks for your kids? Because that's where we are. Yeah, if you let them out of the house, which I tend to not. They have kid masks <laughs> now, so there you go. Actually, my kids are like, fuck. They like, we don't have to go anywhere. No, great. <laughs> <laughs> We're so okay with that. New designs are always in the, the works, the thinking process. I, anyway, I'll wrap this up. If none of that works for you, but you say you want to throw something in the tip jar, you want to, you can go over to ifanboy.com slash support. You will find a PayPal link over there. Um, and there's finally ifanboy.com slash Amazon. You will uh, find a link to the books from Booksplode. You will find a general link to Amazon. Uh, and you can also find the links to Pick of the Week and always like the music we use on the show uh, is always on the show page on ifanboy.com. So thanks, thanks everyone, everyone for all those things that, that you do. Everwatch. 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 
Yeah, sure. Ryan, uh, is this the book you were talking about? Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, you just talked about G.I. Joe that I think uh, I'm about to expose the, the difference in our ages because the next book I want to talk about is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number five. Story by Ryan Parrott, art by Simone DiMeo. And um, oh my God, guys, this book was so good. <laughs> I, 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 have... I, I can respect your enthusiasm and I love it. <laughs> But I want you to hurry up and get this over with. Okay, I'll be as quick as I can. I didn't read one through four, so I was worried I was going to be lost. <laughs> so why did you wait? Why did why did you read this? Because when I come on the show, I'll try. I usually like try to grab something that isn't in my normal you know list of books just to see if I can bring something different to the show. And in this instance, it was so worth it. I don't know what was happening before uh, issue five started, but it basically begins with the turtles driving the Megazord in order to fight a giant sized Bebop and Rocksteady. And it just gets zanier from there. Uh, Shredder has the green Ranger power coin. So he's playing the flute and controlling the Dragonzord. Uh, Metalhead gets giant sized and morphs with the Megazord into turtle Megazord. It's just, it's so good. It was just wacky, zany fun where they just completely, you know, they took all the best toys and just mashed them together into one giant toy, and I just had a lot of fun with it. And I will apologize to no one. It's funny because you're, you're like you're right. Like I was on the edge of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you know, these comics came out when we were younger, um, and I wasn't fully aware of them, but a little bit. But like the toys and the cartoons and everything came out just when we were, you know, cresting adolescence. I still had some of the toys. I still thought it was really cool. But I still I watch the cartoon every day. Quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Power Rangers though is the real like. That's the generational divide. We were, yes. we were we were too old. We were in high school, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I just I look I was like, "What the hell is this?" My brother, who, you know, who's 8 years younger than me, was super into that. And and I don't I know nothing about them. I know nothing. I don't know what they can do. I don't know what their powers, the power ranges, the powers are. I know nothing. There's colors. I know nothing. It wasn't that clear even if you watched the show <laughs> okay. because I don't know if you guys knew the, how the show was made, but they just yes. took a Japanese Super Sentai show and refilmed the parts where they're out of costume with American yes. teenage actors and put and, it out. And now it's, the Sabans are billionaires. It was a brilliant cost-saving technique. Yes. It made for a, a fun kid show. They're very, very wealthy now. All right. Anyone else read A Man Among Ye, number one, from Image and Top Cow? I did. Yes. This is from writer Stephanie Phillips who wrote The Butcher of Paris. And the art was by Craig Sermach. And this is the story of pirates. And what I liked about it was that it was just pirates. Stephanie Phillips likes <laughs> genre stories because there's no monsters, there's no zombies, there's no aliens. It's just pirates. Relatively real pirates. She talks about it in the backup essay that you know all the main characters here are based on either real people or real legends of people. Hmm. The British governor's real. The main pirate guy and then the woman they're both real real people from history or at least real legends from history did it feel to either of you like you'd stepped through a portal and we're now in the watchman universe where these were the popular comics mm, no because i had i had that moment where i was like this must be what it was like for that little kid at the newsstand to be reading his pirate comics oh, there you go. that's interesting kind of so here's my problem yeah it was a little like I, because of the butcher of paris i think i expected it to be a little more like realistic mm-hmm and it was a little more cartoony, like it was like over the top and sort of, you know, stereotypical sort of what you would think of like Silver Age pirate stories with like pretty faces and everyone was very clean. And I just was I, I was like, oh, I was I was hoping it was like a real pirate story. Mm-hmm. You know, like what was that one Shanghai Red? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that a little more. 
This is more an adventure. I, this is more like this yep, Disney pirates. This is more like yes, giant uh, death yes, pirates. Yeah, like like nineteen sixties Disney sort of pirates kind of thing. And there's a bit where like they're having a big fight and he's stabbing everybody, and then they cut to the sort of double page or the full page at the end, and like he's pristine clean, like right. his suit is beautiful. And I, I was like, well, you know, that's fine. You know, but if I adjust, it's fine. I actually think it's kind of interesting that Stephanie Phillips has the kind of range, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's one thing, you know, to, like, Greg Rucka books kind of always feel like Greg Rucka books, but she did one kind of book over there, and then this is a different kind of book over here. I was trying to think where I knew Craig Cermak from, and I looked him up, and he did um, Red Team. He did some stuff from uh, Dynamite, but I think he must have done some of the Red Sonia. I feel like he was on some of that. The art was fine. I didn't love it. Yeah. Sometimes the bodies were scrunched. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the heads were at weird angles, but it did its job. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of costuming that they had yes, to pull off, and I thought they of pulled that, that off True. pretty well. Yes. And I also just like, I've been to the Caribbean. I don't want to wear that many clothes. Well, I was having that thought, too. They were in, well, Hispaniola's what? That's Dominican that is the Dominican Republic, Republic and Haiti. Yeah. yeah, so that's hot. That's what and, they dressed. And it's not like they had, you know, particularly breathable weaves back then. I would have died. A lot of wool. died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was fun. I didn't love it. But it was fun, and I'm definitely gonna read more just because there's a dearth of non, it, you know, alien monster stories out there. So, did it feel more like a top cow book or more like an image book? It felt like a dynamite book. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. It didn't feel like an image book to me at all. That was kind of what threw me. I think a little bit. Yeah, image doesn't what? usually do this kind of thing. Image is like king of everything in sci-fi now. It's well, maybe aliens thing. will show up in the next issue. Whatever the hipster zeitgeist flavor of the month is, that's all the books for two years. So. (laughs) This is Top Cow? Yeah. Yeah, but Top Cow is a whole other animal. That's not image, really. Young Justice 15 was written by Brian Michael Bendis and David Walker with art by John Timms and Scott Godlewski. Yeah. Godlewski. Yeah, I've been sticking with this. I've been enjoying it. It's. It's doing that Bendis thing that's also kind of happening in Legion of Superheroes where they're taking what doesn't need to be a giant reveal and kind of stringing it out on us a little bit. And that's happening with Superboy here. I agree with some of that. I think okay. it, I think it is a giant reveal that they keep stringing along to the point of never answering and it's becoming stupid. You know, the whole thing is, is he is from the other universe. He was not in our world when Splashpoint happened. He's from the old world, and why do some of these characters remember him and some don't? That's a major thing if, if they're ever going to actually deal with it, but they don't seem to be ever actually dealing with it. It's just Bendis seems to like to constantly tease it in all of his books. And we're, we're talking about Connor Kent, the yeah. Superboy, who is the half-Superman, half-Lex Luthor clone, right. um, who was a really important part of you know Teen Titans, Young Justice, for a long time. But now that Superman has a kid, it's sort of the Robin issue, which also Tim Drake is in this book. It's more like the other Wally West. Is that his name? Yeah, two Wallys. There's a second Wally West. Wallace. Wallace West. West, yeah. Yeah. That's like, okay. Because Connor Kent was in Gem World, he was saved from the universe shifting around him. Also, I'm going to I'm gonna admit something to both of you right now in mm-hmm. confidence. Please don't tell anyone. I never put it together that, you know, Tim Drake, a Drake is a type of bird. Oh, Ryan. Turn in your doctorate. Yeah, sorry. Oh. I didn't catch that that was a, a joke. But that was the whole reason why he started calling himself Drake, because Drake's also a bird. It was terrible. Except that everyone calls him Robin in this book. And Which I, lo- I kind of love that they, st- <laughs> they still, all the, the characters still all call him Robin. There's a lot of that going on in comics right now, because so many of the writers and scripters, are, like, they, you know they think it's dumb. You know, there's a lot of, like, I just feel like I remember it was different. You know, like, it just, there's all these, like, hints. That, it's, that a, it's a bad, bad costume. Right the costume is... And I know 
it's like my brand to complain, but it is hideous. It's gold and brown, and he has like shoulder pads. Yeah, and shoulder all- pads, a weird neck thing. Especially compared to like, I know it's you know aggressively, absurdly retro, but like Connor Kent with the with the shaved side head and the jacket with the spikes on it. I'm like, yeah, I'm digging this. Well, he's standing there next to Connor Kent and Impulse and C- Cassie, and they're all in sort of classic DC costumes. And then he's standing there in a, his dumbass, you know, too it's terrible, too many design pieces on the jacket, and no cape. It's terrible. Can't be part of the Bat family without a cape. I do like that he and Stephanie are constantly making out, though, whenever yeah, in the that background. Cute. And now they're teasing out some other mystery having to do with Bart Allen Impulse. He's the reason. Like, well, he was the one that brought this all, all up in the first place. He's the one who knew about you know Connor and knew that they, he was from. They're all from different universes. So he knows. He knows something. He's not saying. I don't mind it. It's just that there's no indication they're ever going to deal with it. So that's what's annoying about it. But I do like this book a lot. I'm always excited to read it. And it's pretty. Yeah. Other than the costume. So those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can go there. Any patron at any level can vote to add a book to the rundown. And that, this week, the clear winner, although it got a little tight at the end, but the clear winner was Dark Knight's Death Metal number 1 from Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, FCO, Placencia, and Tom Napolitino. Napolitino. God, that's early. The classic team from all the Snyder Batman stuff. I like that they've all worked together. I like that he's got his team. I like that kind of thing. I think I'm the only one that read the first one, right? Uh, Josh, I think you read a couple of issues of of the first one. Metal? Dark Knight's Metal. Probably. Maybe one. I can't imagine I read more. No, I don't think you read more than one or two. Yeah, I think I also read one and then just it was not for me. I remember liking the first one. I think it might have even been Pick of the Week. And then very quickly not liking. This is where we got introduced to the Batman Who Laughs. Just, just saying it. So... What's funny about this was I started reading it and I was like, I have no, I have zero recollection of what happened in the, in the other miniseries. Like just, if, if someone walked in with a gun and put it to my head and said, tell me what happened in Dark Knight's Metal, I would just say, pull the trigger because I don't know. I've removed it from my, my brain. And, you know, I remember it's some sort of post-apocalyptic world where the dark universe came in and that they got all mixed up with the Justice League book that Snyder was also doing. Like, he kept the story going and Perpetua and Lex Luthor and... I just don't remember enough of it, and I feel like maybe they should have done a little bit more to remind people. Otherwise, you're only hoping people who read the last one are reading this one. The first page features Sergeant Rock yelling at us to... Eat turds. I actually kind of like the first page, but then and there, there are actually some things in, about this issue I liked, but for the most part, I just, I just don't... I don't respond to this story, and I don't, I don't know why it's being... Other than they clearly want to tell it, I don't know why it's being told. Is this popular? Are there people who are just super into this and I just don't know them? I think. Okay. I think that there's a... Because, yeah, I, a I, hated, I hated this. Oh, This was oh. awful. I, I really did not enjoy reading this. I had a really, really hard time reading it. But also, like, I knew what it was, and I knew I didn't like it. And I knew going into it that what they were doing with this is amping up the part of it that I don't like. <laughs> what I think is interesting is that, I mean, Connor, you said it's nice that they're all together, and that is, but also it's just making it just like they keep driving further towards away from where this was. And, you know, Scott Snyder's done a lot of work that I like, but I don't know what this is. I really do think this is some people's jam and I don't want to take it away from them. So I'm going to put this in the context of this might be really good. 
if this is your jam, but I, I can't find any way to get into it. I hate everything about that Batman Who Laughs character. I hate it. I don't <laughs> like what it looks like. I don't like the idea around it. I think... I think it is ultimate like it's an it's an interesting idea, but is ultimately antithetical to Batman as a concept that there would be a version of him. You know what I mean? Like I like the idea if I if I was writing this, which is the shittiest thing a reviewer can say, I'd like the idea that if there is a Bruce Wayne, then Bruce Wayne is always gonna be that good guy. And that's the thing about him. I think that's Well, I think isn't the Batman who laughs the Joker? I thought he was Bruce Wayne who went crazy because I don't even remember. No, I think he's Bruce Wayne because that's the thing that it keeps coming back in this over and over again. Is, is that, that he can think always, like Bruce. Yeah, and he's always one step ahead of everybody. And so when he's talking to Wonder Woman, he's like, you know, I've planned for all this. And then she gets him with an invisible metal chainsaw, which, again, it's actually it's a fine idea. And I could see sitting around and coming up with this and go, oh, this is awesome. Oh, that's what that was? That's what that was? Yeah, I didn't yeah. get that at all. I actually looked at that sequence three times trying to figure out what the weapon was she got. And it looks I, like she was stabbing him with like a double hairpin. It was a chainsaw, and that's why there's chainsaw. Yep. I had to go over it a couple now. times, too. That's why there's a chainsaw sound effect. Yep. I see it now that you said it, but yeah. I could not for the life of me figure out what happened in that sequence beforehand. Yeah. There are some good ideas in here. One of them is that yes. me- melting down the invisible jet gives them invisible... Like, they're going to make it to armor, so they'd be invisible, but they made it into invisible weapons. Actually, like, re- those are good I think ideas. that is a really good idea to think that it is made of a material. Yeah. I don't think I had ever considered that. I think that's kind of cool. That's the thing. Every once in a while, there'd be something like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's in this story that... And I like kind of elseworldy post-apocalyptic stories as, as mm-hmm. evidenced by a lot of the books we talk about who are in that genre. But I just... There's just so many of them right now. And I just don't know what the point of this is. I mean, I, I think there's a thing in the zeitgeist where... Everyone's like, like fuck like, this. It's, yeah, like, it's the end of the world, so let's make it crazy, so at least it's kind of funny to look at. I don't know, something like that. I think from a... from a, from a a There were some things at a technical standpoint that I really had a hard time with. There was, there was a lot of explanation of myths. There were pages of dialogue that were explaining what was going on, and when you kind of don't care what's going on, it's really hard to get through, and then you multiply that with the fact that my least favorite lettering in comics is black with red text. I hate it. I can't <laughs> read it. I can't read it. I especially can't read it digitally. Like I, I genuinely, like it, I just don't like trying to read it. I can't do it. I just want to skip over it and hope I'll figure the rest out from context. And I just think that it's like a, the point of the letter is clarity, not design. And if you can put design into that clarity, fine. But if not, you're making it harder to read, which you know compounds on the fact that I didn't want to read it. And also, I don't know who to talk to about. Can we pull back on the Watchmen stuff? Well, that's I mean that's what they're doing. But I don't like it. Yeah, I'm rereading Watchmen right now, and Watchmen is very good. I don't know why Wally West needs to be Doctor Manhattan. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, that came out of that whole disaster that we didn't read. I mean, I like Capullo a lot, and there's some really good pages here, and some really good character work and i didn't know that was wally at first because he's wearing the blue costume with the dr manhattan thing and for some reason they're coloring his hair brown which they've done before i didn't put together that that was the thing i knew it was wally but i didn't know there was a doctor he's got the hydrogen he's got the symbol on his forehead which came out of that did came out of that miniseries we didn't read the um flash forward one or whatever it was called flash something forward flash i don't know who this is for but it's not me and i and again like i'm not taken away from them but I don't want this. I had a really hard time finishing this. I feel like when you put this up against 
Young Justice, which is also dealing with a similar idea of the crises and the re- nature of reality. It almost feels like there's many factions within DC, and they are all sort of fighting to get to tell what is going on in the DC universe, and there's no cohesion to it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's sort of telling their own version of why the DC is the way it is, and, it's, and therefore there's no real reason because everyone's telling their own version of it. Well, let's let's zero down on that a little though. Beyond business, I feel like we have in the past, like a long time ago, when maybe we didn't know any better. You know, there's been times where you'd read something that isn't connected to anything else, and you're like, oh, that's really cool. Everybody should do this. But now we kind of have that. But I think that the problem there is that they're all, a lot of them are telling the same, you're right, they're trying, telling the same kind of story. There's no bedrock to what's being told, which you need to have a, you need to have a bedrock from which to spring from. If you're in continuity, that's true. Yeah. But if they're all in continuity and they're doing different things, that's one thing. Or I don't, who knows about continuity. But at the same time, if you go over to deceased which we were just talking about there's no doubt that that is happening in a different world and time and place and all this there's right. no like the, he's not weaving in any of the stuff that is currently going on to try to put a latch in there to connect it and i think it's the better for that mm-hmm. whereas all these other ones you talk about they are all saying well, what if we what if our jump off point is the button or the whatever yeah. you know flashpoint flash or you know and, and so since they're all starting from that same point then it starts to get confusing about what's happening so you know, nobody will talk, you know, you won't be reading everything, but then one of them will be like, yeah, the source wall. I'm like, well, wait a minute, where, where'd that come in? Or the, the, the fucking strong force or the whatever, like the metal or the, and it's all just sort of like, it's been spread out. There's this like diaspora of, of subpar DC ideas that everybody picks up a little part of and runs with. And so, yes, no, no cohesion, I think is what you're getting to. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily complaining about it here. It's just because this is clearly some no, you know, no, a future. I, I it's just hard when DC has no bedrock because it, it's, mm-hmm. there's just no... They blew it up with Flashpoint and then the problem is they didn't create a new one. Everyone went off in their own directions, which mm-hmm. is fine if you want to have everyone just be in their own continuity, but it's supposed to be a shared universe, so at some point there should be some sort of idea of what is happening here. Is this in continuity in some way? It says at one point, this is the real DC universe. Mm-hmm. And Snyder tied it into his Justice League run mm-hmm. with the first part. So, I'm going to go back to one other thing. Okay. You said, I really like Greg Capullo. I do. And I think that I like how Greg Capullo draws, but I don't think I like what he wants to draw, if that makes sense. This thing feels to me like a, a jagged, ugly metal guitar. Like, you can buy a guitar, and if you're into that kind of thing, you can get the one with the six points, like, you know, Zach Wilde plays, but I think it's ugly. Mm-hmm. And it might sound great, and it might play amazing, but I don't like the ugly's not even the word. I don't like the aesthetic, and I don't like the music that you play with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it just there's a. It's called heavy metal. This is the this is the thing that they're going for. That's the <laughs> yeah, aesthetic they want. Metal. And I, I get that. But what's interesting though is that like, it's, it's a it's a genre. It's a type of metal though. Yeah. It, it's like. Like a hardcore version of hair metal, meaning it's, but it's not like, like metal's a lot of things, you know, like as an actual musical genre. And I don't really like any of them, but this seems to indicate the one that I don't like the most. <laughs> Which is probably not helping. No, it, it's totally. And so, it, like, again, like what I'm, you know, the criticism has a lot to do with it, you know, with it's just, like, it's just, it's really not for me. And I can recognize that, but also I have a hard time seeing who it's for. It, I, I think it also, part of it, 
Josh, to kind of build off what you were saying is when you don't have much context for the story being told, it's hard not to focus on sort of the style over the substance. And if the, and if the story you're yeah. being told doesn't connect with you or doesn't even really make sense to you and you don't like the style, I think the style is even more mm-hmm. offensive is probably the wrong word, but like, it's just more, it, it stands out even harsher. It's anathema to my, to my taste, to my sensibility. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, that is subjective to a point. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I think the style is definitely subjective. I'm not going to say this is bad storytelling. It's just, I think the story they're being told, I'm not that interested in. I think there were storytelling issues. Well, there's clearly an issue with the invisible chain. So I didn't know what that was. That's just a moment of technical stuff. Right. That's what but, I mean. But also what Josh said with there being like pages of just really dense text that I, I thought really, I, I don't know, I, I'm a person who, when I'm reading a comic and I hit a page that's a wall of text, it, it I mean, that's, it's a slap, it's a slog to, to get past that. Even if, it, if it's unless interesting. Unless it isn't. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it, unless it isn't. And, and Scott Snyder is not immune to this. He's done this lots of times, but he's gotten away with it. He's gotten away with it a lot of times. Here, I, I mean, I probably wasn't willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because of everything around it, maybe. It's like we you know review films, and if the movie's badly done, then the things you might overlook stand out. Mm-hmm. Yes, but all you know, but also like I you know I accept the fact that like the people making this these are are good at comics. Yeah. You know, they're not. It's not like nobody is like, man, they don't know what they're doing. What is this? So it's it's more like, well, what is this? Because it doesn't it doesn't feel like they know what they're doing. But I'm also not dumb enough to think that that. You know, I'm absolutely right about everything. I recognize it's definitely not for me or uh, anyone on the show, but I also recognize that there's clearly an audience for it, and also the the people making it clearly are having a blast doing it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that's resonating with me as a reader, that's that's up to me as the as the audience. Yeah, but I think that's fair. They're definitely enjoying it, and for that, I you know applaud them because yeah. they're they're having fun making the comics they want to make. And, and you know, yeah, it's just, it's just not the comics I want to read. I mean, Connor, you were planning on reading this even if it wasn't the Patreon. Yeah, I was going right? to check it out because it's a big release and you don't get to see Capullo draw that much. So I was, gonna, I was definitely going to read it no matter what. Again, I liked the first issue of Metal way back when, but that was before the story really sort of unfolded. Before, you know, that Batman who laughs, all those people showed up. It was kind of the strange Justice League story that Snyder and Capullo were doing. And then all of a sudden it became weird. So I was going to give it one shot. All right, we should probably stop flogging this. Ratings. Ratings. Oh, Out of five. Ratings. One. <sighs> also one? <laughs> <laughs> With a question like mark? Gonna, I feel like I'm going to get an email about this. Uh, I, uh, you know, you would think that Batman as a robotic T-Rex would be right up my alley, but I just thought it was dumb. Two, so, yeah. two stars. So there you go. When they voted for this, they knew that. This is what they asked for. I don't know. Who knows what is in the mind of the patron? <laughs> I briefly glanced on the Facebook group. Somebody like, well, what should we make them read? <laughs> <laughs> that had a real vindictive. It was subtle, but it was definitely like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Any patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. But the patrons who give it a $5 or higher level get their own superpowers live on the show as a way of thanks. First up is JM, 
And JM's power is that any vehicle that he gets into is instantly modded out to the max of its performance capability. So they all turn into like super high-powered race car. You that know. sounds pretty metal, Josh. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you know, it's, it's well, unless, unless you equate that with uh, middle-aged British men. Top Gear, or I guess Grand Tour. Power! Exactly. No, I, I got it. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So give some examples here. Well, so like uh, you've ever you, the the modding. So like if you got into like just a little normal base model Honda Civic, uh, and then all of a sudden that turns into a 600 horsepower twin turbo, you know, full on looks the same on the outside. You know, does doesn't seem, but it has all that performance. So it basically it maximizes the performance of, of any vehicle that he gets. Just in. while he's in it, or permanently? While he's in it. Okay. It's one of the aura powers. And like any vehicle. So like if he got on a, a bike, like if he got on like a beach cruiser, it's suddenly I'm, a full suspension 29 no, or No, I'm going to go with like a vehicle. What about so a city bus? combustion. <laughs> if he's driving it. Oh. Oh, it has to be driving. So he can't be a passenger in a car. Yeah. No, he's got to be driving it. What he should do is get on the bus and be like, I'll take it from here. Yeah. No one else is going to like that ride. <laughs> you take him to the go-kart track. But like if you're talking about like a McLaren or whatever, you know, you hit you put it into track mode and then it keeps you stable, you mm-hmm. know, and so it doesn't like roll over or anything. The suspension drops and stiffens and things like that. So that's what would happen with the bus. I see. I've been playing a lot of Forza Horizon. What if you got into a tank? Yeah, that would work. It's faster. Faster tank. Oh yeah, no. Fast, powerful tank. All right. Only the mechanics though. It doesn't make the gun any better. Todd Weber uh, is a human air filter. <laughs> so Mold, spores, so and go, fungus go, come in. <laughs> go stand next to Connor is what you're asking for. Clean air comes out. <laughs> comes out of where? Just That's a good question that no one wants the he's answer a, to. He's a Dyson product. <laughs> Does he ever need to be cleaned? Like sometimes no. you got to clean the filter. No, he's just, it, it, it scrubs out. It's his t-shirt. He's more like a tree, but more aggressively more filtering. Like a tree. Does he produce yeah. oxygen? Kind of, yeah. Clean oxygen comes out. So what is he breathing? But yeah, oddly enough, the thing that you're to. talking about, the other thing that comes out of the tree is also the thing that gives you the problem. That's true. I'm saying, I'm just I, saying, essentially, he's that's that's the, what's I, happening. I know what you're getting at. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. This is you cut example. Todd Weber in half, and then all the spores, molds, and fungus come out again. Oh wow! So he's a repository. Yeah. For uh, oh wow! So he, he keeps them, and does he have uh, I- infinite uh, capability for storage? Yes, he's is infinite storage, but he's he can't. Scrub the world. It's it's you know it's like anything. It's like you have a air filter in your house. So you can only right. you can only fil- you filter air in such a small space. What's he rated to? Is he like a HIPAA? He's, Isn't that a, that's a it's, type it's of the highest rate? compliance. Well, then it's got to be better than HIPAA. Cause yeah, that stuff's old. It sounds like he's a human fume hood. If you guys ever use a fume hood in a lab, no, I can't say we have. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, since I've never even heard of that, <laughs> I haven't been in a lab since high school. It's just a, an area in the lab that has like a fan above it, so it sucks. It's constantly sucking the air up and away from you, so right. you can work with mm-hmm. like dangerous chemicals. And if something spills or, or you know aerosolizes, it... the thing they have in any kitchen, except this one's like lab grade. Right? Yeah. I guess. You don't know about my kitchen. My kitchen has one that's really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a fan that blows grease everywhere. So are you doing anything? Mine, mine doesn't have an outlet. It just has like a charcoal thing that we've never changed. Peter Fultz should team up with JM because Peter Fultz. Can declare it's, it's, any body it's of Pete. It's Pete. Don't Pete. Oh, Pete. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pete. I'm sorry. I formalized it. I apologize. Pete can declare, and it will become legally so, any body of water that he is on or near as international waters. Hmm. Does he work for a gaming concern? 
you could do a lot if you could you could fish for things that you're not allowed to fish for near the shore you could you could get people married monkey knife fights he's got like water diplomatic immunity yeah but he can declare it for the whole body of water so if like he's out you know so if he and jm take a boat that's like a super the whole body of water out on lake michigan he could say Uh lake michigan is now international waters and it has to be legally this seems more like a bureaucratic thing but it's 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 much like JM. Like once he leaves Lake Michigan, it's not international water anymore. It's only while he's on it and has declared it. It does not happen automatically. He has to. Declare he has it, to like a de- declare it. Is there yeah. a flag planting required of some kind? Optional. Okay. It helps other people realize what's going on if he plants a flag. <laughs> Otherwise, it just becomes international and they didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, JM, Todd, and Pete. Thanks for being patrons. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. It's where you can go give the five dollar higher level and get your own dumb superpower live on the show. We got an email from Rashad B, and I thought this was a good one to have while Ryan was on the show. He says, how fast does Superman fly? He seems to be able to leave Earth and come back at ease, and since the Earth is traveling at around 1,000 miles per hour in space, it's easily more than that. I mean, I guess it, it comes down to, like, what, what's the mechanism by which Superman flies? Also, 1,000 miles per hour in space, not that fast. Right. But he has to be traveling faster than that to leave. Well, yeah, but there's also, like, gravity. Like, once you're close enough to Earth, Earth just pulls you back in. So you don't have to like, it's not like Earth is running away from you at a thousand miles per hour and you have to catch up to it. Yeah. Like you just have to get into its orbit and then the gravity does the rest, which that to me is, it's why the question of how do Kryptonians fly is interesting because is it like, is he able to negate gravity? Is he, is he pushing a force out behind him that's accelerating him? Because otherwise he wouldn't have to have escape velocity if he did that. Right. Interesting. A buddy of mine, a physicist, theoretical physicist, Ben Tippett, did a grand unified theory of Superman's powers a while back, and he posits that if Superman could control the momentum and the moment of inertia of his own atoms and atoms nearby, he could basically create all of the different powers that we see that way. So it's possible he's just not subject to the laws of inertia and momentum. If I may. Yeah. First of all, I'm glad that you're on for this because I really enjoy having these conversations with you because you are learned. However, at the same time, I would like to speculate and you being here really puts a cramp on that because you immediately like, no, it's not right. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll shut up. I'm looking at a blog. I googled how fast Superman fly while you were talking. Uh-huh. I'm looking at a blog that has a scan from Flash, volume two, number 220. So this has been pre, pre-New 52 that states Superman moves at over 2,000 miles a second okay well that's not okay that that doesn't seem which is seven million two hundred thousand miles per hour mach 9350 okay well so that puts into question he's often been sort of neck and neck with the flash on things and the flash can move speed of light which is a lot more than that right well that was always the joke was that and that was what, what jeff johns established you know that the flash was letting him win in those races right that's fair now I was thinking that Superman, I think that Ryan's on to something. That was for Charity Clark. Of, he's like, like a doc, Dr. Manhattan. Like he's basically defying physics however mm-hmm. he does it. Or like in The Expanse, uh, the, what's the name of the, the aliens? The, the protomolecule. Yeah. When it takes the planet and it defies inertia and gravity and, and, and all the you know, sort of rules of physics. But when it takes Eros Station over to Venus, like it's that kind of thing. However, because... He is uh, more or less, uh, we'll say more or less human in the way that he. He was raised to think like a human. Yeah, exactly. So the way that he flies around is 
conceived in such a way that works like our, you know, aeronautics, like a bird or like whatever, where it sort of flies around and moves in that way. But in reality, what's happening is he's just shaping his reality to do those things. But the mechanism is the other. Which, like, it explains some some of the quirks in the way that, like, he saves people. So if you think about Lois falling off the Daily Planet building and he swoops in to save her, he's hitting her faster than she's falling. Like, she should be obliterated by Superman, right. not the street. So, sure. so that, you know, part of the, and, and also when he catches stuff, he often doesn't, like, he doesn't dip. Like, it's, it's, as, it's as if no mass has been added to him. So I it's almost dip, like he's... He's controlling the mo- well. Maybe you do, but you know the way comics are drawn. He often doesn't appear right. to dip. Um, I guess in the movies and the cartoons, sometimes he does. But part of that also hints at this idea that like if he can shape the momentum and the inertia of things around him, that's also mm-hmm. like how how can he lift up a building without the building falling apart around him? Well, he's holding yes, it together think about that in some other way, and that other way might be moving its center of gravity to be right above his hand as opposed to where it actually is. You know, in the center. Of you know what um, Grant Morrison would say. Yes. magic it's comics yeah but yeah, it's but fun, the, fun to yeah talk this about. part is fun because we there is no answer so it's it's fun to sort of imagine what it is as opposed to going it wouldn't work like that that's different I mean, than what we're doing you know the true the it, in that sense the true answer to rashad's question how fast does superman fly as fast as the story needs him to yes that is the true answer yes and also the fact that like no one's thinking about that because the second that you put it falls apart it does but also like it's less it's but it's fun to put up a it, it is fun to build an imaginary construct around that and rules it doesn't make good for good storytelling to have these conversations but it's part of the fandom to have these conversations sure. yes. just because it's fun I, I think one of my favorite moments of superman's discussing his ability to fly is a, a nightwing comic i think in the chuck dixon era where nightwing's hanging out on some building and then superman appears and nightwing just goes so is that like walking or running to you to just be like hovering in the air like that and superman goes like i don't know it's flying and, right. and i was just like that's all i need like, he's just got yeah, some different muscle cool. that he flexes, and that's what makes him fly, and we don't have that muscle because we're not Kryptonians, and, or gland, or organ, or whatever, and to him, it just feels like a thing he can push harder on, and it makes him go faster. You know what's interesting? I listened to this whole, like, audiobook series on uh, the science of sci-fi that was really fascinating. I learned a lot of things, but he only moves in three dimensions, ever. The Flash seems to move in four dimensions, so Superman never... The f- I didn't understand that the fastest anything could actually move was the speed of light. I didn't know that. There's not such thing as faster than light unless you're yeah, talking about the, that. It's the universal speed limit. Yeah, and I love that. And I, <laughs> and I, I like to think. I, no, I just I like I, I was thinking, and, and all of the things that I had ever read or or before had all come together in one. And I was like, oh, and like literally the next day, my wife goes, "Hey, what's a tesseract?" And I was like, "Well, I'm glad you asked." <laughs> very, like I was, I was thrilled. Was she glad? Um, I mean, she was initially, and then <laughs> quickly, probably a few minutes, and and also let's let's understand. I have a base level knowledge of any of this at best, and so the longer I go on, the worse it gets. But I do find it fascinating. There's a physicist that I like named Sean M. Carroll, who's written a number of sort of pop press books on physics and, and quantum and cosmology. He has one called "From Eternity to Here: The Quest for the Ultimate Theory of Time," and like one of the major fundamental premises of the book is like, why don't we remember events in the future? Because, you know, we can remember something Jesus. to the left of me and something to the right of me, and but I can only remember what's happened in the past. I can't remember. And, and like, you start reading this book, and you're just like, oh, my God, this is Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Like, he's that's the only thing he's broken is this rule of, like, he can remember the future, even though it hasn't, quote, unquote, happened yet. 
that's the thing that's the most impressive about Alan Moore, because you think, did he do a lot of reading to get to that, or did he think of it? Alan Moore seems like he was really ahead of the game in that sort of thinking when they, he came up with Dr. Manhattan and the tachyons and all of that stuff. Drugs, I guess. I guess. So. Anyway, the, the thing I was talking about is an Audible original. Uh, it's called The Science of Sci-Fi by Aaron McDonald, uh, and uh, it, it blew. I loved it. I loved it. it was I great. will send either of you the link to the Unified Theory of Superman's Powers, which is a free PDF if anyone wants to check that out. Cool. Contact.ifanboy.com. That's where you can write in, like Rashad, and ask us about science questions, and we'll hold them for when Ryan comes on the show. Because otherwise, it just gets ugly. Let's do some quick plugs. So, some shows have come out recently. The Animation Brain Trust show, where Ryan and I and Paul talked about Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. And then Josh talked uh, with Kelly Thompson in his Talksplode show. And our Booksplode just came out this past week. Jack Kirby's New Gods. It finally came out after all that talk. And next, we're going to do Pluto Volume 1. We decided. Haven't done manga. I don't think ever on the books blow. Or maybe we have. It's been there's been a lot of them. But we're gonna do Pluto Volume One next. That'll be in two months. And the good news is did Akira. Some of it. We did, but it wasn't us. It was Paul and Scotty, Scotty Young. Anyway, we're actually on schedule. We thought we were behind. We've been talking for a while like we were behind. We were gonna have to owe you extra shows. But we but it's here we are month six of the year. We've done three books blows and three talks blows. So we just had put them out in a weird order, which made us think in the back of our heads that we were behind, but actually we are on schedule for those shows, so that's good. And also, if I can just if I can just put in one more plug for that Kelly Thompson show, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. Perhaps I, I, maybe if you're thinking, oh, I don't really read a lot of books or whatever. I, I, it was a, it was a great conversation in terms of like I think her and I talking about a lot of the things that have to that are going on in comics with the diversity of of creators and what that means and representation and like you know how she's experienced. I really I really dug that conversation much in the same way that I'm um, gonna have um, Brian. What's his name? Leo Malley. No. Hill. Kayvon. Brian Hill. When I had Brian Hill on, I had, a, I had a really good conversation with him like that, too, which I think gets to a lot of the stuff that people are talking about in the zeitgeist of comics. I really, I really love that show, and I just want to make sure that people don't skip over it. Cool. And then soon, yeah. speaking of shows that you should or shouldn't skip over, Media Explode number three, you asked for it by donating to Patreon, and then we gave it to you by choosing what we were going to talk about. We are going to talk about that thing you do. And the reason that we're talking about that is not because we're constantly trapped in the past it's that i happened to put it on one night recently i hadn't seen it in forever and i thought oh, that's really interesting and these the the two guys uh that i know real well ron and connor they love that movie and they talked about it so it was uh it was on our mind it was in the zeitgeist a little bit for us so we did that we're going to talk about you know the other stuff we've been streaming uh and we we were about. meant to record that this week <laughs> we just didn't do it we're gonna have to do that soon because we only have one more week left in the month so hmm. that should be coming pretty quickly did we just forget? We we were starting to talk about it. People don't need to hear this. We started to talk about it, and we for, <laughs> we just forgot to, to sort of nail it down, and the week was okay. over. The conversation got derailed, and something happened, and you and I did the book explode. Anyway, that's what happened. Ryan? I do a podcast called Science Sort of. Uh, speaking of physics and cosmology, we had Sean Carroll on to talk about his book, The Big Picture, in episode 243, and we talked about the Grand Unified Theory of Superman's powers in episode 9. Before I had a decent microphone, I'm sorry. ScienceOrder.com <laughs> Head over to iFanboy.com. You can find all those podcasts, except for the Science Sort of show. You can find what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy, following at iFanboy on Twitter, or at iFanboy Comics on Instagram, which also has the Best of the Week in Panels feature. And individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram, Haupt 
H-A-U-P-T on Twitter and Ryan Haupt on Instagram. And as we've been telling you, we have our YouTube page, which we've had forever, but we're finally updating with all those shows that we unlocked. The patrons, youtube.com slash ifanboy for all the old show uploads. This week we had uh, a mini show about Absolute Editions. We had a spotlight on Robert Kirkman, and we had our look at 52. Mm-hmm. It's all from 13 years ago. Now, how did the one year later work again? Oh, Do we have time to get into this? You'd have to be around for a long time to get that joke. And I don't want to explain it because I want it to be special for the people who did, how all eight of you. That's a thing. You're my if eight you like favorites. this show, if you'd like to write a review, some of those reviews are very old. So maybe you could go in there and put some more contemporary reviews and just be like, I don't know what they're talking about. And they really didn't like this thing. And where I was, I was promised a bird. <laughs> Write a review, leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're aggregating podcasts. Better yet, the direct method totally works. If you want to tell people about it who like it or you mention it on social media, we always love that. Everything okay over on Twitter, Ryan? Is it? I'm. Josh is out. No, nothing to do. Josh no, is out. it's not. It's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did? I had done it where I deactivated before, but with Twitter, you have to put it back on in 30 days or you lose it. So this, I just changed my password to some ridiculous like a random shit and i i just like, not having to reset it is enough to keep me away from it so that's been working pretty well for me. jamie mckelvey is retweeting about small police departments in west virginia getting giant tank-like vehicles it's everything's it's all going crazy Nothing's yeah good. i just now it's not stay the away. time that's it's, yeah it's not gonna not gonna help me is, that's all that's our show thank you so much for coming ryan always a pleasure i'm, I'm sorry it's been so long oh thanks for having me and yeah i kind of actually kind of fell off comics during quarantine so this was a good good chance to get back in the game understandable there you go thanks for coming and until next week we'll be back i'm connor i'm josh oh i'm ryan i'm also here take care of the other humans around you it's really important we are all in this together and it's out alive she said come in stranger oh how i miss you when you're gone i walk the floor and i watch the door and when i lie awake and wonder where you can be I'd give anything to have you here with me. I get so lonesome all alone. She said, come in, stranger, and won't you listen to my plea?